I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and, not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many yeah, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Hello and welcome back, everyone, to the Leading Off podcast. The first one where we have a new co-host. It was a bit... For a few weeks, there, it was a bit weird, just kind of me doing it by myself, but this is a much better way. Uh, we now, I will now be doing the podcast with Andrew Jibo. So, hi, Andrew. How are you doing? Doing well, Cooper. Thanks for having me join you here on the show. Uh, yeah, like Cooper said, new to the show. Uh, excited to get going. If you're on Twitter, go ahead and give me a follow. Uh, that's at Jibo with three underscores, and Jibo's G-E-B as in boy O. And again, that's with three underscores. And just a little bit about myself, uh, for those that don't really know much about me, I moved out here from San Francisco uh, to Minneapolis in 2018, started covering the Twins last year uh, for Twins Daily, and now I'm on here with Cooper and ready to get going on this. Yeah, it's going to be great. And just before we get going here, I've, I just had like the weirdest adrenaline rush, so I, I was at Target, and I bought a new headset for this. It was gonna I was going to wear it. It doesn't even work well, so i got to fix it. But I get home, and you know those, like, security things that they have to clip off at the store for, like, yes. electronics? Yeah, I didn't – I forgot to do that. So I roll into my driveway, clip it off, and it's beeping extremely loudly. So it was, oh, <laughs> so boy. It, yeah, no, it was horrible. So I jam the scissors into the middle of it and pry it open and just destroy it. So I hope the, the cops could, like – I don't know if they're going to roll up here. What's the deal? But, yeah, that's that's fun. Cooper Carlson, stealing things from Target. I, I paid. I've got the receipt with me, so I'm good. <laughs> no, I mean, we'll make that clear. I did not steal the headset. All right, jeez. <laughs> yeah, that was fun. But anyway, back to baseball. I just had to Cooper, that Cooper up. Carlson can, yeah. steal ba- can steal headsets, but the Minnesota Twins cannot steal bases. <laughs> That's the title of this episode. It's very long and not – no one will understand it, but it's, it's going to be titled – no – Moving on to real baseball, uh, the Twins are seven and two. Uh, that would be, I think, about nineteen and five if you multiply everything by two point seven, like you should be doing every day. But yeah, they just took three of four from the Cleveland Indians in a series that the pitching for the Twins outpitched the pitching for the Indians, which I didn't really see coming. I assume you also did not see that coming, with the exception of Game One. Uh, but right, right, right. We had the, the way Shane Bieber pitched that game; it's hard to even match that. But overall, yeah, the rest of the series, the Minnesota Twins pitching absolutely dominated. I think, you know, they scored was like three runs a game and took three out of four in that series, you know, pivotal series, like you said. You yeah, multiply every game by 2.7 and Twins are in a great position. They're off to a great start. You know, I think seven and two is their best nine game stretch since the early 2000s I saw today. So definitely a lot of exciting stuff going on with the Twins and that was, that was a great series. Yeah, for sure. I'm pulling up the, uh, the stats for the Cleveland Indians that series. They went 16 for 120, which gives them a 133 average. And on Saturday and Sunday combined, they went just four for 58 for just a .069 batting average. So, yeah, they were just shut down. And, you know, coming into the series, it was can the Twins, you know, hit well enough against this Cleveland pitching, but it ended up being the opposite. And the Indians' offense just never, they were nothing, just non-existent. Ramirez and Lindor were the only ones that could do something once in a while, and they still couldn't really get anything going. 
Yeah, I mean, that, right. Yeah, that Cleveland team—they have so many holes in that lineup. Like, like you pointed to. I mean, outside of Ramirez and Lindor, there's really not a lot of punch anywhere in that lineup. Obviously, their pitching is going to carry them as far as they can go. And I mean, other than a couple of bad innings, you know, the pitching actually did a good job against the Twins. Like we had touched on, they didn't light up the scoreboard necessarily offensively against Cleveland. So the pitching's there. They just they just can't really hit right now outside of Ramirez and, and Lindor, which bodes well for the Twins. Oh, absolutely, yeah. Um, the, yeah, the Twins hitting also. I mean, it hasn't been there all it, league wide. The hitting's kind of been down, but the Twins, yeah. I mean, if it weren't for the pitching, that series could have easily swung the other way. But just imagine how good this team can be when the bats actually get going. It's gonna be crazy. Exactly. exactly. The fact that they, like we talked about, they're seven and two right now, and their their strong point of the team is their offense and you know hitting, and they right. haven't really been doing that, and yet they're still seven and two. Yeah, yeah, they're hitting like a mediocre team. It's really weird, just. Because this team, I mean, obviously the middle of the order is packed with Sano, Donaldson, Cruz, Polanco. I mean, you name it. Anywhere in the order, they've got what, a top ten hitter at least. It's it's, it's wild to just, think about. Yeah, it's right. not even just the middle of the lineup. I mean, it's one exactly every position they've got like a top ten hitter, and that's being like that's giving a little leeway because it might be better than top ten for every position anyway. And even the, even their backups. And when you got Jake Cave in the lineup, and right. he's tearing the cover off the ball, Alex Avila's giving some pop. I mean, there's just just no easy out anywhere in the Swins lineup, even when the starters aren't in there. And yeah, got to give him the credit. He's always solid. But yeah, it's just everyone in that lineup will eventually be packing up, you know, just doing great out there. But right now, they I can't rely on them, and the pitching has stepped up in a huge way. Just. Well, Homer Bailey, who is now on the IL, but the new additions, Kenta Maeda, Rich Hill, uh, Barrios has had one d- bad start, one pretty good starts. I mean, five innings, it is what it is, but anything was better than his first. Yeah, yeah his second start, that, 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 you know, game one against Cleveland there, he pitched well. It was just that one mistake to Lindor. You know, he struck him out the bat before that on elevated fastball. I think he got him another two-strike count, and he wanted to go back and elevate the fastball. He just missed his spot and, and left a belt tie over the plate, and Frankie Lindor just isn't going to miss that pitch. For sure. And, yeah, the Twins showed, I think, over this series that they – it is small sample size, but that they could, they should be the better team. They did this against the Indians and the Cardinals. Like they just made them both teams look like nothing. Like this is easy. Like the Twins should easily, easily take this division, just be the champions of both centrals here. Like no one's going to stop them. Yes. And I mean, it's only been nine games in this weird, wacky right. COVID right. influence season, but this team, it is a very special team. It's obviously things out of our control, but it's a shame we don't get to watch this team for a full 162 game schedule. If we had a full 162, the way this team looks right now, even with the bats not fully producing, this team could have been very special and then arguably one of the best offensive teams like in the history of the game. Yeah, and it just sucks to hear that, obviously, because this COVID situation just ruined it. And we would have, us Twins fans have kind of been waiting for this for a very long time. So it stings. But hey, 60 games, we still are getting some sort of a season as of right now. I mean, the Twins are still playing. They almost had their whole season thrown away because the Cardinals tested positive, but the Twins got, they got lucky there, but yeah. The COVID situation for the Twins is just, I mean, not the Twins, just league-wide has been awful already, and we're just a couple weeks into the season here. Exactly, yep, the, the, the COVID situation, like they touch on, it's not just affecting one specific team now. At first, you know, it was the Marlins, they had their outbreak, which there's some wrinkles in the schedule there, uh, but now it's, you know, it's spreading to the, the Cardinals and, and just becoming a large issue of how Major League Baseball can 
try to control this and how fluid, you know, can they be with actually allowing a full 60 game season, you know, to, to play out in its entirety. And that's going to be a continuous thing that's going to be a problem and something needs to be monitored throughout the season. And just hopefully Major League Baseball can come up with a plan to limit this as much as possible. Yeah. And it, Rob Manfred and the other owners, they have said they are, I mean, who knows if they're ever telling the truth or being great. But I mean, you know, but he said that he wants to continue and they're going to do everything they can basically to continue. They're, they've implemented seven inning, two, uh, seven inning double headers in one day. I mean, I don't know if you're a fan of that, but it, it, if you got to get the games in somehow, so that'll be happening for teams like the Marlins who had 18 of their 30 players test positive. That's just insane. Like they're going to be, they're going to be throwing together a team of like, Random free agents you forgot about in a week here when they can finally play again. It's well, I mean, be... how, how, how many players in the Marlins would be really recognized to begin with? That's that's true. <laughs> yeah, and eighteen of them are. I mean, they're they out for how? I mean, when can they even play again? You know, I do not know. I haven't seen any update on that. But yeah. Miguel Rojas, last I saw, it, does lead the league in WAR, so they're doing something right. Really? Yes. Haven't they played like three games? <laughs> yeah, I forget who the third guy was, but like the top two of the three war leaders right now are Miguel Rojas and Mike Yastrzemski. Gee, oh yeah. <laughs> so. Giants, everyone, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, the Mar, yeah, the Marlins got horribly unlucky and then the Cardinals were hit. A, I mean, they were not, no one will be as bad as the Marlins, hopefully. I mean, if it is, that's probably, if two teams get it like that, then it's probably shutting down. But the Cardinals are at about was it five, I think? I'm not sure on that. Then a couple other teams got hit, like, just with one or two, so. Yeah, the Phillies and everything. Right. But, I mean, now, you touched on the, the seven-game doubleheader. I, I'm for it, like, in 2020. I actually, you know, yeah. before the league announced this, I was actually kind of wondering to myself, like, could this be something that we see in this weird, wacky, truncated season where we're just making things up on the go, essentially, to get 60 games in? And if the whole idea is to spend less time on the field, but we need to make up games, the only way to do it is to a doubleheader. If we go to seven innings to get that done, that's okay. I mean, five innings is technically a, a full game, right? If you have a rain out and you've gone through five innings, it's, it counts, just like we saw on opening night yep. this year. So it's, it's, it's not like we have to play nine for it to be a full game. Like, yes, nine innings is preferred. That's how baseball's played. But we're just figuring this out as we go in 2020, and I think the key to keeping baseball alive and, and having a full season is to be flexible on things like this and not be too stuck in tradition. If, if we're stuck in tradition in 2020, that's unfortunate for you because you're not going to have a terrible time. 2020 is everything is against tradition in every aspect of life. So, yeah, I'm in the same boat. I'm cool with it this year, and you know, it, depending on what happens, the situation next, I'm good with it as long as the season is in jeopardy, I guess, if you know what I mean, like, if they have to make up games. But in a regular 162-game season where we're not worried about the season ending every single day, I'm not a fan of the seven-inning doubleheaders. And I, I mean, I think they'll go away anyway at that point. But I, I completely yeah. agree. Yeah, if we're playing a regular 162 and it's just, you know, baseball is normal, there's absolutely no reason for a seven-inning doubleheader. Yeah. One, one thing, I mean, we didn't really have this plan to talk about, but one thing I did not... I don't agree with like same premise. I guess would be the extra inning runner on second base. I think that's just stupid. I don't think it, you know, speed. Of course, it'll probably speed up the extra innings, but I, I hate it. What do you think? 
Yeah, I, I agree with you. I think it's sort of a two-part thing. They're, you know, they're kind of covering in this idea of, oh, it's to speed up extra innings so we don't play 14, 15-inning games while we mm-hmm. already had a 13-inning game. But I think the larger thing is, obviously, you know, throughout the recent years, Major League Baseball has been trying to do a lot of different things to add more offense to the game, to make you know, a better fan appeal. And I think this is a way for the league to kind of test this out to then bring it to the table in the next CBA. Yeah, this is a good year to just test whatever you want to try out. That's a good point. Because but am I for it? No. In the 10th inning, no. But if you want to do this in, like, the 12th inning or whatever, yes, absolutely. We don't need to be having 18-inning ball games. It's just it's oh, not, not destroys your roster. not doing anything all night. I'll watch an 18-inning game. <laughs> <laughs> that's fair. I guess you're not waking up the next day and trying to throw yeah. another game, but that's all right. I know everyone else. I mean, I know you work, like, 12 hours every day, but, you know, I can I can stay up a little longer. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair. Yeah, but, no, I get it. It, it. They are long, and no one, even me, I mean, after, like, 15, it's like, all right, let's get out of here. But, yeah. Um, I'm not I actually have, I have sat through, I believe it was a 17-inning ball game in San Francisco that ended with a Buster Posey walk-off, and it was worth every 17 innings. Like you were you at the stadium? I was at the stadium. Yeah, I was oh, sitting God. down. I was sitting down the left field line where their bullpens used to be, and sure enough, in the seventeenth inning, Buster Posey walks it off. How if they lost? How would that have just been the worst night of your life, or what? Oh, absolutely! I would have hated myself. <laughs> yeah, I think there, yeah, there, there, there was uh, there was more seagulls flying into the stadium than there were fans at that point. <laughs> yeah, that makes sense. What what inning does everyone really just get out like twelve? Yeah. It's like 12 or 13. Yeah. Yeah. Makes... out. <laughs> All right. I mean, the longest game I've ever been to has been like 10 innings, ending with a Brian Dozier walk-off grand slam. Yeah, Don't know how many innings that was actually, but, you know, it was not eight. It was not 17 or 18, so I've never done that. Oh, well. It's a long time right. to get a ball game. Yeah. Well, I mean, you got any more to say about the COVID? You want to talk about anything else there? You want to move on? I would touch on COVID. I mean, I guess one thing I'll say is I've seen a lot of chatter on Twitter. People like, oh, they should have done a bubble. Yeah. Let's be realistic. There's no way Major League Baseball can be played in a bubble. I mean, you know, this NBA bubble in Orlando, they're turning hotel conference rooms into practice facilities. Can't really practice baseball in a conference room. Right. And they tried to – I mean, the owners brought up the bubble. The players were not at all for it. I don't blame them. I mean, it's also a full season that baseball is playing. Uh, NBA is just NBA and NHL are just doing playoffs, so bubble, a bubble will not be nearly as long. MLB exactly. would be full sixty games plus playoffs, so it's a little too much to ask. The only like, real, like relatively thing close to a bubble they could do is like regional tournament style ball. Sure, have like World Baseball Classics, you know, set up regionally in a WBC format, just you know regionally throughout the states. But even that's a stretch, and I think the way they're doing it right now is the only way they really can do it, and a lot of it. And Manfred said this, and people get all mad at Manfred because that seems to be the fun and cool thing to do, regardless of yeah. what he says. But he basically comes out and says, you know, players, managers, owners, like they all need to be, take this more serious, have stricter protocols. Right. And that's true. Like, if the players and owners want to actually get through this season, like, they have to take this seriously. And it's unfortunate, but essentially it's a go to the ballpark, go to your hotel, and don't do anything else. No going yeah. out to nightclubs, none of that. It's, just what, it's, it's unfortunate, but that's what needs to be done. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if it's true, but it, there's rumors going around that the Miami, the Marlins players and Cardinals players went to like a club or a bar, and then they came back, and 18 of them had COVID. Like, and it's just how it's going to work. You got to follow some rules here. Exactly. You got to just be smart about it and just play the game. Go to your hotel and just ride this thing out like like the rest of us are doing. Right. 
so yeah, the COVID stuff, it sucks. I mean, we've been talking about it all off season. Feels like it's been two years now, but it's, it's been, what, like six months since this all began? I don't know, five months? It's been yeah. weird. Yeah, I think yeah. we're going on. Yeah, we're in the fifth month of it. Yeah, it sucks, but. So yeah, we'll move on from that because it gets exhausting to talk about. We'll move on to our first ever segment with the two of us called Worried or Whatever, where we'll bring up five players, discuss if we're worried about them. It's been, it's been, uh, nine games now, so a little bit of a sample size. Are we worried about the player or is it just like whatever that they'll get back on? Their usual hitting or pitching, depending on who we're talking about. And the five players we'll be talking about are Jose Barrios, uh, Miguel Sano, Josh Donaldson, Byron Buxton, and Mitch Garber. Yeah, we'll get into that here. Alright. Alright. Uh, first, you want to talk about Jose Barrios? Yeah, let's get started with Barrios, number one in the rotation. Let's kick it off with him. Uh, you know, I'm not necessarily concerned about Barrios. He had, you know, his first outing was, was pretty bad, and then he came back and he pitched decent in the second outing against Cleveland, minus the one pitch to Frankie Lindor. The one thing about Barrios, and if you want to call it a concern, is, you know, previously, maybe like last year, or year before that, I had really high expectations for Jose. I thought this guy was going to become a dominant number one front of the rotation ace. who's going to go out there and every, every day he takes the mound, you just know that he's going to give you seven innings of, of one run or, you know, no run baseball and just be that dominant presence that Garrett Cole, a Justin Verlander, Max Scherzer type pitcher. And as he just gets more into his career, I think we're starting to realize that's not really who Jose is going to be. Like he's a very good pitcher when mm-hmm. he's on. His stuff is nasty. But with Jose, it's just, it's a consistency problem. And one thing that I find myself thinking a lot on days where Jose's taking the mound is I hope he throws well. I hope he's on his game. And if, and if a guy is going to be your number one ace, you, you don't really have to hope that he's going to be good. You just know that he's going to go out there and dominate. And I, I just don't necessarily always feel that with Jose. Yeah, he's definitely not in, like, the top tier of pitchers. He's in the one below. Like, even with Shane Bieber coming in, you're like, okay, Shane Bieber's pitching. Let's get, like, two to three runs here. <laughs> can, we, can we get him out in the seventh inning? Like, that's lucky. You, you never have that with Barrios. As a Twins fan, it's been since he came up. Every year it's been, all right, this is the year where he will become that pitcher. And I think now it's time for us to just accept he's never going to, and he will always be in this second tier of, like, he'll be an all-star, you know, almost every year he'll be able to compete for that all-star level. But he'll have an, he won't have an ERA in the, you know, low threes or anything. It'll be 3.5 every year, and he'll be, he'll be solid, but nothing like, we all were hoping for him to become like the next Cy Young in Minnesota. He will never, he'll never exactly. live up to that. I don't think. He's probably you know he can give you thirty starts, two hundred innings, right. two hundred strikeouts, a three five, three eight ERA somewhere in that realm, and be a very like a high quality major league pitcher and a guy any team would want to have. But yeah, I just don't ever think he's going to evolve into that just elite level ace. Yeah, if you never had the hype surrounding him coming up, then we we would think of him as like you know, an excellent pitcher instead of, for some, a, you know, disappointment because of what he was supposed to live up to. But if we just look at the stats alone, he's he's very good. He's a solid, like, top, he's a really good number two, borderline number one, like, for any team. Exactly. And, yeah, and that's just as good as you're going to get. Am I worried about him this year? I'm not, just because I now realize what I expect to get out of him, just kind of this hopefully consistent six innings, two to three earned runs, and then you know the offense should get going behind him. So I'm not worried. I just have lower expectations than I have in the past. Exactly. I'm right there with you on that one. All right, sweet. So Brios, you know, it's whatever, just lower expectations. 
moving on to Miguel Sano, who came into the season. He missed the first few weeks of sp- spring training too because of uh, he was diagnosed with COVID. So yeah, he had to miss bats, but he got a late start. Comes in and his bat was just not there. He could not catch up with the fastball or anything. A couple of games ago, he did hit two pretty big home runs. So what do you what do you think? You worried or is it whatever with Miguel Sano? Prior to his two home run game, I was going to yeah. be a definite worried on this one. He looked lost at the plate. The timing wasn't there. His hands just looked really slow. Like you said, he couldn't get through on the fastball. And he was whipping at 94 down the middle, which isn't what you want to see from Miguel Sano. And it looked like he made an adjustment with his hands going into the game where he hit the two home runs. So there's a little more confidence there. Uh, just with Sano, he can be kind of hit or miss. I mean, he's, you know, he's been an all-star previously. He's also had years where he hit like below the Mendoza line. So, is some worry with with Sano? I just hope that he can get hot and, and, and stay hot. But I do, I am definitely worried that he just may not really get it going on an everyday basis this year, and that could be a problem for the Twins. Yeah, for me, I'm I'm not worried with Sano. I see a confidence that he's never really had until last year, with him learning from guys like Cruz and Donaldson. I think he's become a whole different player mentally to where he can. In 2018, if he was slumping like this and not catching up with the ball, he would smash his bat over his knee and he wouldn't learn and he would not catch up and he'd end up being, well, not, in 2018, he literally was sent a single A, but yeah. I mean, then Nelson Cruz comes and Rocco Baldelli, Josh Donaldson now, and he's going to learn from these pros and these just great people all around him. And he has, and his mindset's excellent now. Mentally, he's stronger than ever. You notice it in his interviews, just the way he carries himself and I think it's whatever with Miguel Snow. He's going to pick it up, and even if he doesn't, he'll still perform like a really solid everyday player. I mean, I think that's the floor for him now. Sure. And, I mean, if you get when you have Miguel Snow hitting seventh, you know, you're doing just fine. Exactly. Like, you don't need, um, you know, Mike Trout numbers from him or anything. You just need him to be <laughs> a solid number seven hitter, and you're already doing better than everyone else in the league at that spot. It's it's crazy, but, yeah. His, his defense at first, at least early on, has been a little – kind of sketchy and questionable at yeah. times, just some decision-making on whether to go for a ball or to stay at the bag. I feel like he's kind of put the defense overall in a compromised position on some of the balls he's tried to field where he gets way too far off the bag. It's an awkward throw with the pitcher covering. Uh, so I think he just needs to get more comfortable at first base and understand what balls he can get to, which ones he can't. And then once he kind of settles down there, the bat comes around, he has nothing to worry about with him. Yeah, the defense at first base storyline actually kind of took a back seat with his hitting struggling. That was kind of something to watch going in, not something that's been mentioned a lot, at least that I've seen. So, yeah, that's a good point to keep watching that. I think he'll be just fine over there once he gets more games in, obviously. But right now it is a bit of a struggle. But with Donaldson taking over at third, at least hopefully if he comes back from injury soon, the defense kind of evens out, in my opinion. Yep, and people always are kind of sleep on you know first base defense and it is important but it, like, sure. we're kind of fortunate that it's not like we're questioning you know the shortstop's defense right he's a first baseman right. as long as he's not making horrible mistakes you don't really notice the first baseman's defense yeah definitely so Miguel Sano for us is kind of on the borderline of worried or whatever but I'm for me I'm not so worried all right moving on to the catcher position Mitch Garver who has opened the season almost as Bad as Sano, I mean, also can't catch up to the fastball for some reason, just not looking anything like what he was last year. And pitchers are definitely pitching him much differently. Every at-bat seems to start with an, uh, 
slider just like on the outside corner and like four more same spot. You're lucky if he sees a fastball at this point. It's just Garver. I mean, he had his excellent year last year, but they're approaching him differently now. Can he adjust and can he be the same player that he was last year? It's going to be interesting to see. Certainly. And with Garver, you know, I'm probably going to not make many friends right now in twins territory, but I am, I am definitely a little worried uh, in, in this, even last year when he had his breakout year, questioned the I guess legitimacy of it and whether or not this was who he really is as a player you know I'm looking at his numbers right here you know just from 2018 to 2019 he goes from having where um 4.9 war to 4.1 in one year he goes from being Mitch Garver to the greatest catcher of all time in one year. Yeah, his OPS in a single season jumps from 104 to 157. OPS plus, right. pardon me. His OPS goes from 749, well, about league average, which is decent, but 749 to 995. His slugging jumps from 414 to 630. His home run total jumps from 7 to 31. Right, and, and it's, it's possible for players to break out at age 28. It, it, late boomers are a thing. I just don't know necessarily if what we saw in 2019 is who Mitch Garver really is or it was an aberration for him. And is, could he be somewhere in the middle between 2018 Mitch and 2019? It's possible. So I am a little worried about Mitch Garver and whether or not he's ever actually going to be the guy he was in 2019 again. Yeah, uh, he's started out slow and he has to meet expectations of being having one of the greatest hitting seasons for a catcher in baseball history. Like, he doesn't got a lot going for him so far, obviously, in that category. But, um, yeah, he, as you said, he's late bloomer. I'm, I don't think he will ever meet 2019 statistics. Those are just wild. I think he'll probably drop off, I don't know, not quite a bit, but enough that it's noticeable. So I am worried in that sense, but I think it was also realist, unrealistic to expect him to repeat because it was just, as I said, one of the greatest hitting seasons in history for a catcher like you can't expect him to repeat that year in year out especially for a guy who is now 20 is he 29 now or he's, in his, he's in his age 29 season okay yeah yeah so I'm with you on that I don't think he will be the same guy he was last year but I think he can still be a very productive catcher like top three hitting catcher in the league it could just you know because there's not that many good hitting catchers anyway so if he can perform yeah. you know kind of what he did last year but I don't expect him to be up there so I, I'm, I guess I'm, I'm worried, but I also didn't expect him to perform. But I'm worried because it's looking like he's just lost at the plate anyway. He has that one home run that he hit today, but that's today? that 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 was a cookie. Yeah, it was today. It was a cookie. It was yeah. a hanging 85 mile right. an hour slider center cut. Yeah, like you hope he can get that one out. And he's, <laughs> if you, yeah. If you, yeah, if you can't get good wood on that, what what are you doing? Exactly, and he hasn't really this up the season. He's probably had that pitch before. I've seen him missed that pitch a few times this year already. So he was bound to get one. Now let's see if he can continue. Yeah, and I, I think kind of what, what we said about, you know, Barrios with expectations, I think it's, it's the same conversation now with Mitch Garver as well. I think if Twins fans expect Mitch Garver to be the 2019 Mitch Garver every single year, they're going to be very disappointed. But if they yeah. understand there's going to be regression, okay, maybe his, he won't have a 995 OPS. Maybe he has an 850 OPS. That's okay. And people yeah, just need to yeah. kind of tamper with their expectations a little bit with Mitch Garver. Yeah, because he came into the season with expectations. 
Brios came in with expectations of Cy Young. Garber came in with expectations of being Babe Ruth. Like, slow down a little. You know? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> but, oh, like, we have we have the next Mike Piazza. Well, <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Like that was that was last year. He was being compared to Mike Piazza, literally. So yeah. I know he's obviously better than a uh, Buster Posey ever will be or ever has been. Um, Wow. Okay. <laughs> just we're gonna we're just, gonna go there. I, I just had to get a reaction out of yeah. The man has kidding. a batty title and an MVP and three rings. <laughs> Come on now. Uh yeah, that's nothing. Him and his World Series titles can go somewhere else. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> no. But yeah, Mitch Garver, I'm worried there. Um, moving on to number four, we got Josh Donaldson, who is now out with a concerning calf injury that they listed as day to day, but it's something he's dealt with a lot in the past so hopefully it doesn't linger and even before the injury he was struggling to get good wood on the ball so what do you think about Donaldson I'm not worried about Josh Donaldson um he's off to a slow start absolutely there's no denying that his timing just looks really off um especially on the fastballs he just kind of was saying about Miguel Sano he just can't really get through right now but Josh Donaldson's a very well proven hitter this guy's been doing this for a long time at a very elite level he's going to get his timing right he's going to get it figured out I really, I'm not worried at all about Josh Donaldson. The only thing I'm worried about would be his recent injury. That's, you know, cut him out of the last couple of games. But beyond the injury, offensively, anything like that, I'm not worried about Josh Donaldson. Okay. Yeah, that's definitely, I'm on the same boat. I'm much, I'm, I am worried about the injury that could keep him out for a couple of weeks. And in a 60 game sprint season, that's, you know, 2.7 times as important. It's a number I'll bring up a lot because it's really annoying to do the math on. But yeah, um, <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna rely on you for the math on that one too. <laughs> I'll have to pull up my cal. You'll have, I'll have to you'll have to talk while I do the math on my calculator or in my head. But no, yeah, uh, I think he will obviously figure it out at the plates because he has won an MVP. He's a great hitter. He was just signed to a four-year, hundred million dollar contract. He better figure it out at the plate. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, there, and there's going to be you know pressure that comes along with signing a big deal like that especially coming over to a team like Minnesota and, and being one of the largest free agent acquisitions this franchise has ever had. Yeah, Simmons has got a pressure on him. I'm sure he's pressing a little bit. He wants to make a good impression. But, again, Josh Donaldson is a veteran. He's been around a long time. He's won an MVP. He's played at a very elite level. I'm not concerned about him in the long run. Right, yeah, with all the, the uh, fans at Target Field, it has been sold out since his debut, so – it's hard. <laughs> the pressure's probably getting into him. You've you've heard all that noise, that crowd. Yeah. Noise. Oh, like, look, man, those, those cardboard cutouts really got to pipe it down. It's hard to watch the broadcast sometimes. <laughs> the Joe Mauer cardboard cutouts getting a little too <laughs> crazy for me. <laughs> Jeez, Joe, keep it down, man. Right. Yeah. But yeah, I, we're in the same boat there. Not worried about Donaldson, but we are. I am worried. We are worried about the injury because that could linger for too long. Moving on to our final person on this, someone we just kind of added at the end here, uh, Byron Buxton. Missed start of the season, first three or four games with an injury, you know, because Byron Buxton misses a lot of games due to injury, and that started again this year. He yeah, comes back, of, he has just a couple hits, and he's been struggling out of the gate. What do you think about Buxton? Yeah, I think so far it has been kind of the Kyle Ripken Jr. of the injured list. Um, but as far as what he's doing on the field, I'm not worried about it. He, you know, he missed it the time with the injury. He's going to get his timing down. His defense is always going to be elite. Even if he doesn't produce offensively like he did in 2019 when he was healthy, his defense alone makes him incredibly valuable. I know the Twins aren't a big stealing team, but even just having his speed on the base pass when he does get on base, you know, creates a lot of problems. 
So even even if the bat doesn't fully come around where he's this elite level hitter, just everything else he does on the diamond is very valuable to the team. And so because of that, I'm not really worried about Byron Buxton. If he can just stay healthy, start every game in center field, hit in the nine hole, he's just adding value alone by just being on the field, essentially. Right, right. right. It also took me a minute to get that uh, John Heyman reference, but that was a good one. Uh, <laughs> that was a good bad tweet from him. But, yeah, Buxton's speed and fielding, obviously, by itself, will just keep him in the lineup. He could hit 220 and also the addition of the other eight excellent hitters in this lineup also allow him to be able to hit 220 and be the greatest fielder in baseball. Like he, we, the twins can afford one average hitter in their lineup. <laughs> like they'll be fine. And yeah, as you said, his speed and fielding will make up for it by a lot. His just on the bases, even if he got zero stolen bases, he's still the pitchers focus more on him than the batter at times. It's crazy. So and even not even just stolen bases, you know, if he's on first base and there's, you know, a, a ball in the gap, he's scoring. There's not exactly. even a question about it. Yeah, he's scored from first on a couple of singles last year. Like, he's fastest guy in baseball. Exactly. I don't know if statistics prove that, but in my opinion, from just watching him, he's scary out there. So. And we, we already saw, I mean, obviously we've seen the impact of his defense every time he's out there, but we've already seen it already in 2020. I forget what game it was against Cleveland. But that play he made in the right center field gap, and I thought off the bat, I thought that ball was going to get down. And Byron just gets out there and catches this thing basket style, you know, before he falls over. Any other good major league center fielders probably have to lay out for that ball, and Byron catches it on the run. Yep, for sure. Like the substitution of him for Jake Cave, like Cave will provide you with more offense. He might get a couple more hits every couple games, but. Byron Buxton's defense will, in my opinion, win you more games than Jake Cave's superior offense. So it's good to have Buxton back out there. I'm not worried just because I'm not sure what I've expected. I, I don't expect him to be a 300 hitter or anything. Like he was, him and Brios both had these same sky high expectations. And just Miguel Sano. Yeah, Sano as well. All three of them were supposed to be the huge big three of baseball, but. Yeah, I remember yeah. when I was when I was living out in San Francisco. You know, you turn on MLB Network, and the, all the talk was all the promising potential the Twins have with Barrios, Sano, and Buxton. Yeah, for sure, that was that was life as a Twins fan in the horrible years of 2011 to uh, about 2017. It was just wait for these guys to show up, and they'll, everything will be you know you'll win four World Series in a row once these guys <laughs> really get going. And that was that was the promise, you know, as we were losing a hundred games a year here. But, but I guess the promise yeah. of thing is too is you know they're still young. It's not like we're talking about guys that are exactly. now entering like the last years of their prime. We're talking about guys that are still in their prime years with more prime years to come. So yeah. there's still the potential there for them to get better. How much better is to be determined. But the potential is still there, and they have years to do it. And they could very well still turn out to be a very potent threat. Just those three by themselves, combined with Jorge Polanco and Max Kepler and Eddie Rosario, and the list goes on. Right, right, right. Yeah, it's just, they, they're they very good players, all of them. It's just uh, looked at not always as that, just because of how good they were supposed to be. Like, they were supposed to be Mike Trout, Anthony Rendon, and you know, Jacob deGrom, but instead they're just three really good baseball players. <laughs> right, hey, at least they're not jerks in Profar. Yeah, exactly. Like they, It's not like they were just uh, prospects that didn't turn out well at all, like a lot of prospects are. Like, the Twins still got three great players out of it. I think that's just fine. 
Yeah, they're, yeah. They're, they're, they're in a really good position, and just the supporting cast around them as well is really good. And like we said at the beginning of this, this is a very special team, and they, they have a tremendous amount of talent, and they're a lot of fun to watch. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as um, simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Exactly. So that's the end of that segment. You got any more there? You ready to move on? Well, I think we can, maybe we can pivot and talk a little bit about some, about some surprises so far early oh, on. Right. Um, yeah. you know, I really like, I'm shocked by what Alex Avila has done at the plate and his pitch framing. Maybe I just haven't played, paid close enough attention to Alex Avila. I know he's been an all-star at one point, but he was also released by his dad. So, <laughs> you know, there's some questions there when they signed him. Oh, uh, but man. He, he's just, he surprised me. I almost kind of look forward to his at bats now when he's in the game, which, if you had asked me before the season started, are you excited about Alex Avila? I wouldn't. No. I wouldn't know how to answer that. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, he's, yeah, he's been he's been a nice, pleasant surprise. How awkward is uh, Christmas dinner after you get released by your own dad? <laughs> yeah, like, hey man. <laughs> yeah, thanks for thanks. firing me. Yeah, yeah, I'm gonna find a job. <laughs> yeah, got to go the unemployment line now. Jeez, dad. <laughs> yeah, you know, what the heck? But yeah, as you said, Avila's been great. His offense. Has been like better than I expected, and I think he's going to surprise us with the offense all year, especially with the Twins' rest and recovery ways, and just putting them only in matchups that he will succeed against for the most part. Because that's he'll play a good amount, just like Castro did and Garber. Garber was the, one of the best catchers ever last year and played like ninety three games. So ninety ninety seven. Ninety seven. We, we were talking about Garber earlier. This is, I guess, interesting kind of question to throw out there. Right. And we're way too early to make these kind of assumptions, but we'll do it anyway. If if Mitch Garver continues to struggle and Alex Avila continues to play well, at what point do you kind of say, hey, we're going to roll with Alex Avila? Yeah, that's a good question. A 60-game season, if one – if yeah, do you go to like a 50-50 split soon? Like I would expect that to be implemented very soon. Like Avila against righties is, could be very dangerous, and yeah. Garver is much more dangerous against lefties. Like do you go 50-50 soon? It's gonna be interesting. Yeah, it'll be that'll be an interesting development to kind of continue to watch, and it all just kind of depends on on Garver and whether or not he can for sure get back to resembling something of what he did in 2019. Yeah, so yeah, Avila's been up there. Cave has played just a few games. Bucks in return just took that starting spot right back. Everyone knew he would, no matter how well Cave played. But Cave was still very surprising. Um, came out hit a couple, had the bases loaded single, and then he grand slam against the White Sox, which. That was fun. So, you know, Cave's been great. And his fielding has improved a lot. Marty Gellner talked about on the broadcast that he focused, like, all offseason on his fielding just because last year it was abysmal. Like, you noticed it every time he was out there. So I'm glad to see his defense improve. And his offense has always been – it's always been there. It's really just spotlighted this year so far. Absolutely, yeah. But Jake Cave has been a really nice surprise offensively in the early going here. Uh, when he, I think he first got brought up, was it 2018? Yeah, uh, twenty. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, in twenty eighteen, I liked him. Got off the off the bat. I was like, hey, this this guy has some nice tools to him, and he was you know he's got some speed. He played mm-hmm. decent defense, left handed hitter. But yeah, what what he's done so far offensively has been a really nice surprise. 
And it'll be interesting to see how they kind of work him into the lineup more often if he continues to hit like this, but there's really not a lot of room. Because if Rosario is playing well, I mean, Kepler is going to be an everyday guy in right field. There's really no way around that. Uh, but yeah, Jake Cave has been a nice surprise. Yeah, for sure. Good problem to have here for the Twins. They got outfield filled. They got Larnick and Kirilov coming up, and then they got Jake Cave and still fighting for a spot along with, you know, you can add in Lamont Wade and others in there too. But yeah, the Twins outfield's loaded for years to come. So, and then the last surprise, not, I think not just for me, I think just around baseball, not just yeah. in Twins territory, but across the league has been how well the Twins bullpen's pitching right now. Oh, absolutely. You got, uh, Rogers, of course, Duffy, May, Romo as the big four. Then you toss in guys like Stashak, who's just been excellent to start of the season. Littell has struggled. And, uh, did, did I miss, he didn't go on the IL. Was, that was, uh, that was Homer oh, Bailey. Yeah. yeah okay. Bailey. Wrong one. But yeah. Who, who looks like Christian Bale. <laughs> Which, I love Bailey, man. It's too bad. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, overall, the pitching staff, I mean, Kinto Maeda has looked really sharp. Uh, he, mm-hmm. you know, he had some good years with the Dodgers, but I mean, it's it just, it's two starts, so let's not get too far ahead of ourselves. Yeah. But yeah. he, he's looked phenomenal in his two starts with the Twins. Great acquisition. Yes, we all love Bruce Starr. He had a role in his 100 mile an hour fastballs, right. but Kinto Maeda helps the Twins tremendously right now in 2020. And I, it's been a lot of fun to see him pitch. And you kind of just, you have this confidence when he takes the mound now. For sure. Like, he's been a nice surprise. We were, he was traded for and then not really talked about for a while, but he was a big acquisition for the Twins, like, just adding that stability in the rotation. And especially with Oda Rizzi, uh, missing the start of the season, having Maeda there is, is huge. Like, if Twins didn't make that trade, it, the stability in the rotation wouldn't be there as much. You'd be throwing Thorpe and Smeltzer in there, not really sure who's gonna stick. But with Maeda, you have room to put them both in the bullpen, make a, you know, opening or opener start like Smelter did today, sort of. And you got a lot of room to do what you want to do. It's been the rotation and bullpen have both been very surprisingly like excellent. Yep. And then Randy Dobnak, what he's done For so sure. far is incredible. Oh yeah, Rand. I mean, you hear the Uber Uber driver stories all the time, but he's turned into just a great pitcher. He's qualified among like twenty five innings pitched, qualified. He's got like the lowest ERA of all time. So. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's always, it's it is, so. I love his story. I love when he takes him out. I love everything about Randy Dobnag. I just love to root for the guy. Just it's an incredible exactly. story, and, and he's just he's earning every every start that he gets, and he just continues to throw well. And a feel good. It's like it's beyond just a feel good story. I mean, you're now talking about a very legitimate, almost borderline dominant major league pitcher. Right. I was going to say the story of Randy Dobnak is becoming just the story of you know a really solid. Pitcher that just kind of came out of nowhere, but it's not just like, wow, who's this guy? He's kind of cool. It's now, it's Randy Dobnak. He's gonna go give your team six innings and you know, look great doing it. So and he looks like a Randy. <laughs> oh, absolutely. <laughs> he looks like oh, absolutely. There's no one who has a more like look to their name than Randy Dobnak, no doubt. The Fu Man too, the glasses, the whole the whole thing. He's a Randy. I love it. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I love him. Love watching him play. Glad he's on the Twins. But yeah, that wraps up that part. You, want, you got anything more to add, or are we good there? I think we've touched on everything on that segment. All right, cool. So yeah, moving on then. The Twins tomorrow will move on to play the Pirates, who are 2-7. and seven. They go from absolutely dominating the Cardinals and Indians to playing the Pittsburgh Pirates, who are managed by old friend from the Minnesota Twins, Derek Shelton. So that'll be fun to reunite with him and 
hopefully get a three-game sweep. It'll be tomorrow, Derek Holland versus Lewis Thorpe, who's actually making a spot start tomorrow. So, yeah, Holland versus Thorpe. Yeah, I think it's a, four, it's a four-game series, isn't it? It's home and home. Is it? Oh, okay. two, two in Minnesota, two in Pittsburgh. Um, oh, that's yeah. right. You're, yep, I, you got it. I, I think on paper going into this series, there's absolutely no reason why the Twins should not take at least you know three out of four. Yeah. I think the only concern might be is if you kind of let up, maybe lose focus a little bit. You know you're playing against a team like Pittsburgh. You just had a really good series against a good team in Cleveland. Uh, so as long as they can bring that intensity, you know, stay focused, play their game, nothing to worry about with this series. They should take three out of four and then go on. Is it Kansas City next? It, um checking right now, but as you said, it is. It's four and four against Pittsburgh, three against Kansas City, and then three against Milwaukee. The schedule for the Twins is all season will be nothing crazy. It'll be yeah, the Pirates who are two and seven and the Royals who are the Kansas City Royals. I mean, the Detroit Tigers are coming in five and five eventually. We'll have to face them with their minus eleven run differential, but we'll ignore that. They're a really good team, guys. Uh, <laughs> CJ Crone and Jonathan Scope, man. They're, yeah. they're, gonna, they're gonna make us pay for letting them walk. God, think about it. I think about it this way. CJ Crone and Jonathan Scope are probably two of their top offensive players and they wouldn't even crack the twins lineup. Like that's just insane. Yep. Yeah. I like CJ Crone, but I would rather have Josh Donaldson. Yeah, exactly. Like <laughs> they replaced CJ Crone with Josh Donaldson. Like like come on, the greatest offensive team in baseball replaced CJ Crone with Josh Donaldson. That's just unfair. <laughs> yeah. <it's laughs> upgrade. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you, Beyonce. Yeah. Uh Thorpe Holland and the Twins haven't released all their starters, but the Pirates will have Joe Musgrove after that who is a solid certain pitcher, and then Trevor Williams in the third game. And they do not have their fourth game starter, but Twins, they don't even know who they're throwing out there for any game. They're like, we'll throw anyone, win the game, doesn't matter. So I think that's what the Twins said. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. I mean, but it's working. The Twins pitching is getting the job done. With Tyler Clipper doing the opening today and Smeltzer coming in, they they shut down Cleveland. Really not at all worried about Minnesota pitching. Whoever they throw out there, so far, they've done a good job, and the offense continues to hit. Again, this series against Pittsburgh, on paper, they should take three out of four. Only way they don't is if they lose focus and kind of play down to their opponent. Exactly, yeah. Twin, yeah, and I mean, especially after coming out from those Cardinals and Indian series, we've seen what the Twins can do, what they're capable of. Now just go, they, it's hard to say they should sweep a four-game series just because that's putting expectations too high, but talent-wise, yeah. That should be what they do, but you never know. Because teams win games sometimes, but yeah, yeah even even a split, even you know, take two out of four is okay. You know, right. They are off to a seven and two start. Not worried about it, but I think yeah, again, they should at least take three out of four for sure. So yeah, moving. On, I mean, you got anything more about the series? You think we should move on there? No, I think we, yeah, we, we've covered that. All right, so we can move on. You did a Twitter poll. Um, about whether you'd rather have your team suck and you know it's going to suck, so the Detroit Tigers, Baltimore Orioles, or whether you'd rather watch a team that has high expectations and then absolutely just falters and doesn't even make the playoffs. Like, for Twins fans, the 2016 Twins or the 2018 Twins? Or for a Giants fan, what years would those be? Uh, 11, 13, 15. Yeah, That's when they, they sucked. <laughs> Yeah, that that was horrible. In the years between those, all they did was win the World Series every single year. Right, so you come off a, a World Series title, and you're defending champs, and you come into it, and you're all excited, and 
your reigning rookie of the year, Buster Posey, like snaps his ankle in half in early May, yeah. and now you have Eli Whiteside and Chris Stewart catching games <laughs> for you. And then, yeah. And then you trade Zach Wheeler for Carlos Beltran. Yeah, so the question season. is, would you rather have the, you know, 2011 Giants or the 2020 Giants where you're just like, I, I, I guess the Giants have started out hot this year, but you know what I mean, where you know they're not supposed to be good, and what would you rather watch? For me, I've been through the knowing your team's going to suck. It's it, it, it sucks, man. I'd rather have high expectations and then your team at least somewhat competitive and then miss the playoffs if they're... 2016 was the wildest year because they were expected to make the playoffs the Twins and they lost 102 games. That's Ooh. the worst of this scenario. But yeah, I like the 2018 Twins where you expect them to make the playoffs and then they go 78 and 84 or something. That's that's all right. It sucks, but wait, does that even make sense? Does that add up to 162? Yeah, I think I it think does. So. Yeah, that was a record. Okay, got it. But yeah, I'd rather have the high expectations and then miss the playoffs? What do you think? I'd rather know your team's not going to be very good. Um, I think before this year, I probably would have agreed with you, uh, but being a Giants fan as well, I watch the Giants every night, um, and just very low expectations. I don't expect this team to do anything, but then they, they win, and they, they put up runs, and it's exciting, and you kind of get into the underdog story, and you just you don't have this like feeling where you're dying with every loss. Right. If the Twins were to drop three in a row right now, like that would hurt. Yeah. The Giants drop three in a row. You're just kind of like, well, we know they're not very good. Yeah. With the team, you know, is going to suck just year in and year out. It doesn't even make like none of it's fun. Like at least with the team, you know, is or you have high expectations for the off season's fun and some games are interesting, like for a few months. But yeah, it's like with losing every year, nothing's enjoyable until you're. You finally get that Byron Bucks and Barrios and Oak trio to get called up just to not perform like they expected, but it is what it is. <laughs> <laughs> what, what a justification. It is what it is. Um, <laughs> That's how I got to be the Twins fan. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair. I was a little surprised by the, the responses on Twitter. I think like overwhelming majority said they'd rather – or like it's worse to have high expectations in fan. Really? I think it was like close to 80% of the people who responded to the poll wow. – said that that was worse. And I kind hmm. of agree with that. Nothing's worse than going into a season you think that your team is going to you know, defend their title or be a playoff team, and come October, your team's not playing. Yeah, I get where you're coming from. The Yeah, I mean, if they miss the playoffs by, like, one or two games, does that still count, or is that a different scenario? I think if you're going into the season and the expectations to be a playoff team, to contend for a title, and then you miss the playoffs, I mean, that's failure. And that hurts. All right. I would much rather, like, lose the playoffs by one or two games than go go out knowing you're going to lose 100 games then. I'm definitely <laughs> on the opposite true. side of you. <laughs> okay. Well, that's, that's, that's the beauty of this, I suppose. Yeah. Well, I don't know. Hopefully, and I don't know. Should most, of, most of Twitter, most of – most of, yeah, so most of Twitter agrees with me, so I'm going to take solace in that. <laughs> yeah, well, people on Twitter aren't always very smart, are they? <laughs> I'm not going to comment on that. Because <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm trashing my own audience because I retweeted it. Probably got a lot of that, but whoops. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, so I'm going to just refrain from answering that question. <laughs> uh, they're, they're all laughing listening to this. They know I love them. Ha, ha, ha.
Oh well. Anyway. <laughs> anyway, yeah, that's touch on that. Um I think that's about all we got. Do you have any more? No, nothing comes up. I'm just excited to get the, the series going against Pittsburgh. Um and then, you know, get on the road, go down to Kansas City, take care of business there. Milwaukee series could be in, interesting, um, but I don't think they're that much of a threat. So I no. think the twins are, are set up in a great position to take an even, you know, much bigger lead in the central, even though winning the division doesn't really mean all that much in 2020. Yeah. But it is nice to at least say, Hey, we won the division yeah, exactly. <laughs> two years in a row. Right. For sure. Um, there's something to be said for that, even in this weird truncated 60 game schedule. Um, very happy to have baseball back. I think a lot of people are, even though it is kind of weird with the, the COVID situation. It's just, it's really nice to, you know, you get off work, come home and turn on a ball game and you got, Brimmer and Justin Morneau serenading you, and you got a ball game. It's great. <laughs> Baseball's back. We love it. Absolutely, it's been that's been just the best part of it, just being able to get back to a little bit of normalcy with just baseball. Like it's just great. But yeah, if when we talk next week, hopefully we'll be talking about baseball being played and not baseball being shut down. It'll be the four against Pittsburgh and then the three against Kansas City that we'll be able to recap. So yeah, it's gonna, it's going to take a lot for baseball to shut down. One thing that I, I still am curious about is is What's the point of these taxi squads if we're not using them to replace players that test positive? I thought that was the whole point of this is to have a fluid roster. So if a guy gets put on the shelf because he's tested positive, well, we have someone else who's ready and able to come in and fill in for them. And it doesn't seem like that's how it's being used right now. Yeah, they set up this 60-player roster just to – it hasn't been utilized a ton. I mean, maybe – it just has been underrated. Or we haven't seen it in news, but yeah, I agree with you. We've not seen that being used at all. So I'd love to see that implicated more just because that's how we're going to have to do it if we want to have baseball this year. And maybe that'll allow us to see Royce Lewis and Alex Kirloff. Yeah, that'd be kind of, that'd be pretty cool as well. That's, that's always a benefit. Just think, <laughs> I hope about, that, think about yeah. this for a second. Here we are all night. We've been talking about how just dominate, dominating this Minnesota Twins team is. And oh, hey, by the way, we also have Royce Lewis and Alex Kirilov just waiting for their opportunity. Yep. Two top 30 prospects in baseball with also Trevor Larnick and Jordan Balazovich also just hanging out down there who will emerge soon. People, on the, they'll emerge soon on the national scale. They've got four just excellent prospects. It's too bad there's no season this year just to have them develop, but yeah, they're, right. they're minor league. Like it's crazy. They've got best, one of the best teams in baseball and one of the best minor league organizations in baseball. They've just built it up so well. And a very young, talented core with guys that are locked up. I mean, the contracts that they gave out to Polanco and Kepler are absolute steals. <laughs> yeah, well, who's their agent? Like, what the heck? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, can we renegotiate this? <laughs> yeah. Like, I see this like thing. Five mil this year each. <laughs> right, and I saw this thing. I, I forget who put it out there, but... Over the last, like, rolling 162 games, Max Kepler has been better than Aaron Judge. Yeah, that was uh, Fox Sports North tweeted that out. Of course, they used okay. the stats of, like, runs scored and stuff to put it wow. a little damper it a little bit. I mean, yeah, he's hit more home runs. He has a better batting average. So he's been competing with Aaron Judge at least, yeah. Yes, and Aaron, Aaron Judge hit his home run for the fifth night in a row. So clearly he's no pretty way, darn dude. good. Yeah, he hit, yeah tonight. I think he hit two he's, tonight actually. Yeah, yeah, he's uh, better than Max Kepler in my book. But 
Well, hey, speaking of Aaron Judge, I guess we'll go a shout out to the uh, the Motherlode League in Northern California, where I grew up. Grew up playing against Aaron oh, yeah. Judge. So even though he's a Yankee, I gotta gotta love Aaron Judge a little bit. Uh, yeah, I can only imagine playing that guy in like high school or college or whatever. That's terrifying. Gary was like fear. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like I, I, I played I, I played third base and he'd come up oh, and just God. this imposing figure and I'm like heels on the grass looking at my coach <laughs> like please take me out. Yeah, no, that's awful. Oh my God, I can't pitching against him. Just be like, all right, I know you're gonna hit a bomb. Just like don't embarrass me too much. Oh, and he pitched and threw absolute gas. Really? So yeah. <laughs> Wow. Well, I'd say we both we got a good 57 minutes in here. Wow. 55. Yeah. All right. We'll wrap this up here. Good podcast. Good first episode with you as the co-host here. How do you think it went? I think it went great. Yeah, I had a great time, and I'm happy to just be on this show on a regular basis, and I'm looking forward to see where we can take this. For sure. So next week should be fun. We'll be back same time, upload Monday morning, and see you next week, hopefully, if you tune back in. Thanks for listening. Have a good night.